0: Helped in another uh, another body, um, at another church up in East Carbon a couple weeks ago, which uh, is probably mostly you know stretched me pretty good, um, but it, it was good, um, and, and it's good when the Lord stretches us. Um, and so it uh, was there. And then last weekend we was able to put a, a, a thing together where uh, got together with some friends. Um, from work and we was able to go see some some nice beautiful country called uh, San Juan Elk Ridge down by Blinding and so uh, we went camping for a few days and, and uh, it was very enjoyable, um, beautiful weather and then all of a sudden we woke up Tuesday and it was cold! and uh, the whole time we was up there which is 8-9 thousand feet uh, we basically rode in shorts and then Tuesday you get up to load up to go home and I'm like what in the world happened? it was cold and it stayed cold even all the way home so Anyways, I missed you guys, um, it's so good to be here this morning, um, and uh, just, you know, um, us being bivocational, and, uh, and and seeing sometimes things don't always go smooth here, um, it's so good that, like, I praise God, I'm like, so glad you guys don't follow us, and you follow the Creator God, because man, um, we're, we've, we've got issues as, as leaders, as, as human beings. Um, but God is graceful and mercy, and I just wanted to thank you as as um, the body to to walk with us so graciously, and uh, it, it's just great to see you guys and to uh, walk with the Lord with us. So um, today we are going to be in uh, Romans still, um, well, I told you the last time I preached to uh, be ready just to camp out in Romans. There's a lot of good stuff, and we're going to be here for a while. It's a very good, in-depth book. So we're going to be in Romans, we're going to be in chapter 2. And uh, the verses that uh, I've been graced with this morning is going to be 12 through 16, if you guys would like to turn it up. So Romans 2, 12 through 16. And... Uh, you know, I'm sure you guys get talked a lot about where we're at, what's going on. But I think it's important, you know. Sometimes we may forget through the week where we're at and what's going on. And so, um, remember in, in, in the first part of Romans, um, Paul is arguing that no one is just. No one is righteous. And, and he started in chapter 1 showing uh, the, the fall of man. The, 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 the area of where you go to where you continually just deny God. And deny his existence. And you can see the corruptness, you can see where, where man goes, and, he, and God gives him over to a depraved mind. And so we see right there, we see the guilt of mankind right there, and there in there in chapter one. Then you move over to chapter two, and now Paul's making the, the case um, for people that may talk about um, kind of a self-righteousness. You know, I'm not a bad person. Um, I didn't go out and I didn't kill nobody. I didn't go out and I didn't go out and rob a bank. Um, So overall, I'm a a pretty good person. And so like, and and Paul's going through this, and that's kind of what we're going to be studying today, is that even when you think you're good, um, I ask you to first of all, what are you judging your standards by? Because if you're judging your standards by the rest of the world... Those aren't very good standards to be judging yourself by. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a horrible place to be in. And, and Paul's going to bring that—that this—that so we have the, the people we look at and say, "Man, they're horrible people." I'm glad I'm not that way. And Paul's like, "Wait a minute here. Um, everybody is guilty. Everybody is in need of saving. Not uh, like we stand on this self-righteous horse. At least I'm not like them." Paul. Paul stops us. And we're going to be getting later on into the religious type as well. But for, for today, it's mostly about where I think, unfortunately, you know, I don't have. A, I was going to say ninety percent. Maybe that's a little bit too much. But there's a lot of people that, that are out there. Probably a lot of our coworkers um, that that get up every day. They make an honest living. Um, they try to make an honest living as as much as they can. And um, they probably think they're pretty good. And they don't really need. God. They don't need his um, saving grace. Because in all of a in their eyes, they're really not that bad. So I think a lot of us are out there like that. A lot of the world, a lot of uh, people think that, well, I didn't really kill nobody. I didn't do nothing bad. And so that's kind of where we're at. This first part of Romans is kind of, it's not the lovey-dovey, um, Jesus loves you kind of stuff. Like, this is... Putting you point blank in your place, like where you are at, to a holy and just God. And, and and it's making it clear, like crystal clear. That's why he's not rushing through this, that everyone is in need of a savior. Not just what he talked about in chapter one. Everyone is in need of a savior. And so that's that's where we're at today. So um Say, so, yeah, will, will you join me in prayer yeah, before we start today? I said, Father, uh, pray for your word, Lord, today, for your word to come alive, for the meaning of where we're at today, walking with you, what needs to be said, Lord. Um, I pray that it convicts our hearts, transforms us, um, Lord, that we surrender just more and more to your ways, and our ways get farther and farther away, because our ways, Lord, just Lead us to destruction. Lead us away from you and to death, Lord. And, and, Lord, I hope that we see that. I hope that we see that we need you because we are so lost without you, Father. Um, help again, Lord, just bring the, these these of uh, uh, scripture, to life. And um, yeah, Lord, just bless, give us the heart to to be a Father. We love you, Lord, and we ask these things in your beautiful name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. So, um, as I said, in in one, we're we're talking about, like, man, look at how bad they are. Um, God finally just gave them over to a depraved mind. They're horrible. At least I'm not that bad. And he instantly, Paul here, in in the start of chapter 2, and I just want to read chapter 2, verse 1, after he gets done talking about... Um, the ugly things we read about in chapter one and giving them over to a depraved mind. He instantly goes, therefore you have no excuse, O man, every one of you who judges, for in passing judgment on another, you condemn yourself because you, the judge, practice the very same things. So he's over there, he's talking about all of the the ugliness of of people and and how far they've gone. And, And before you start puffing yourself up, it's like, man, I've got this. I'm not that bad. I'm, I'm pretty good. Before you can even get there, Paul instantly says, whoa, whoa, whoa. Calm down here for a minute. You've seen what they did, and in your heart, you know what they did was wrong. You just condemned your very self. Because what you just seen them do, and you know was wrong, you have done the very same things. And you may say, "Well, no, 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 I haven't gone to that route. Like, I'm not no murderer. I'm not no... No, what are you talking about? you got to remember the heart. In Matthew 5, 21, Jesus says, You have heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. We can see right there that, okay, so maybe we haven't gone to the point of actually murdering someone. But we have hate in our heart towards someone and we start uh, to think bad thoughts about them, we are building that that, uh, that ugliness, that sin up. And, and right there Christ is telling us, so you may have not done it, but you have practiced it in your heart. You want them gone. You also see in the same chapter in Matthew, it says five twenty 520 and 527, Jesus says, you have heard it. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you, that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in its heart. Again, we may look on the other side on chapter one and say, well, I didn't do none of that stuff. Come on. I've been faithful with my wife. Like, come on. And here he goes. He's like, look, if you've ever looked at a beautiful woman walking down the road or a, a handsome man going down the street and looked at him with lustful intent, you have committed adultery. So as good as you think you are, you have offended. You have gone against a just and loving God. So, again, here we are right now. He's putting us in our spot. We're sinners. We're lost. We need Jesus. And so that's where we're at. This is where we're at in chapter two. He starts out with that, and so now we're going to be down here in twelve, and we're, we're going to have that kind of in our in our thought process that we're guilty. And Paul is walking through all this for the first first I think three or four chapters here. Paul is driving this home. He's trying to get us into perspective, like, he's trying to humble our pride hearts. We have to be humble in God's word. If not, I mean, think about the demise of of Lucifer himself. God made him one of the most beautiful, all-knowing angels of all time. And he took that and he looked at himself and says, I don't need God. I know better than God. How many of us has done that? How many of us has pushed God to the side and says, really, I don't need you right now because I know enough that I can go down my own road. Um, you really don't know it all, so I've got it. Now, we may not speak that, but ask yourself if you've done that with your actions. I think all of this happened. I don't think, I know all of us happened. So this is where we're at. Um, Paul talking about our guiltiness. Paul talking about our need for a savior. If we don't understand that need, we don't understand like what Christ did for us. We just think he's a genie in a bottle. So I'm going to read through it all here, the 12 through 16, and then we'll go back and we'll kind of see um, what, what the Lord has in store for us today and unpack it. So uh, Romans chapter 12, or Romans chapter 2, they show that the work of the law is written on their hearts, while their conscience also bears witness. And their conflicting thoughts accuse or even excuse them on that day when, according to my gospel, God judges the secrets of men by Christ Jesus. This is God's word. So the very first um, verse talks about for all who have sinned, for all who have sinned without the law will also perish without the law. And all who have sinned under the law will be judged by the law. So what are we talking about here? One um, when it says the law. Um, without the law, with the law, what's all going on? So Paul is, is uh, making a distinction here. We have the law of the Old Testament. We have the revelation of, of God in the Old Testament. And so as we know, those were given, that, that law was given to the Jews. And the Jews were... Um, were responsible for sharing that with the rest of the world, to live it, to, to share that type of law, to share God's commandments, to share God's holiness, and to be an example of Him, and, and that's what they were charged with, and so they didn't do that very well, as we all know, if we, if we read the Old Testament, we know that uh, the, uh, the Old Testament um, fellows, they kind of like us, they failed. they didn't do so well, um, they, they kept uh, persecuting the people that God would send. The prophets—they—they um, would—they—they they didn't uh, like being told that they were doing wrong. Um, again, kind of sounds like us when we have a prideful, uh, arrogant heart. So this is the law. We have this law, and so it's—it's. It's, Paul is making the case right here as we go down. For all who have sinned without the law will also perish without the law. So you can't stand before God and say, well, I didn't have this law, only the Jews have it. He's like, right here, Paul's saying, you will perish without the law. And then he moves on and says, and all who have sinned under the law will be judged by the law. So those of us Christians, Jews, those of us that have been shown um, Scripture that shows the law, like we will be judged by that. We will actually be held to a little bit of a higher standard because we've been revealed more than people that don't have that law. Um, we will be judged by that very law that we know the very book that we read the very scripture that we have here we will be judged by that again as we will see going down the rest of this uh, this study that Paul is going to show that people without the law are not without excuse I talked a minute ago about what the Jews were given. I want to pause on that as well. So the Jews were given the law. They were God's chosen people. God chose them to be a representation of him, to be a light of the world. I want to remind you that that's what we are as well. Like we don't have the background of Jews, we weren't born as a Jew, but we have been chosen by God as Christians to represent, to be the light of the world. In Matthew 5 14, it says, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. And it gives light to all the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. That's a charge that we now have. This this isn't just now well, the Jews were given the law. The Jews were given um, this revelation in the Old Testament. We have that now as Christians. Uh, we, are, we are no longer like the, the Gentiles, and, and like, we don't believe that. We, we have this obligation, this responsibility to be a light of the world. Um, we are chosen people, and, and we, we are chosen as in a humbly light. You really chose me out of all of my ugliness I've done. You chose me to be a light to the world, to be a shepherd to others. We need to remember that. That that we have that, Christians. We we are part of that. We need to be out there and we need to be a light. We don't need to be a representation of darkness. Um, We we need to be a representation of light. I thought that was just something that that needed to come out to to remind each other what what we're called as, as Christians. So again... If I don't have the law, am I excused? Um, I've never read the Bible. I have um, never read the, the Ten Commandments, any of that stuff. Are you excused? And as we're going to find out through the rest of this study, um, no, no one is without excuse. Um, we reread in Romans 1, um, and, and I'd like to read this again real quick. Um, back in Romans 1:18, it said, "For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness." and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his internal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him that they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools, and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. For what can be known about God is plain to them. So we haven't even gone to the rest of the, the study here. But we walk around and we see all these things that are plain to us, that shows that there has to be a creator. I've always used the, the, the talk of um, you want to see something created of nothing like look at the birth of a child that is amazing to me that a, the birth of a child happens the birth of a, an animal happens today and I'm sorry for saying this Marie picking kicking on you how in the world can something live inside of us and I see the size of that something. Like Maria is a small um, person, and I feel that the baby is taking over.
1: Um, so the baby is,
0: is is outgrowing Maria? <laughs> How in the world can we say that all that is just by sheer chance, by sheer just um, millions of years, things have just happened, and that's just where it is, like. I, I just can't even fathom that just there's something living inside of me. That I was at one time inside of another human being. That just sounds so out there, but because we see it every single day, I think us as human beings, we start to we become numb to it. We start to take it for granted. And, and if you really take a step back and look at it, and I wish that all of humanity would take a step back and really look at things, and not stand on their arrogance or their pride that we know everything, I think they'd be brought to their knees on the truth that that there is a creator. And so again, Paul is just, if you read this over and over, Paul is just making the case there is a God. We have wronged that God. And that that we need saving. And that, that we can't do that saving on our own. Uh, Thirteen. It goes for it is not the hearers of the law who are righteous before God, but the doers of the law who will be justified. So,
1: here we go. Some may say, "I know of Jesus.
0: I believe in Jesus. I have His word in front of me, and because of that, I, I've got salvation. Um, you know, there's 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 everything I need right there, um, folks." Even Satan himself believes in Jesus. What is the difference? We have to be doers. So we are so transformed by the the belief in Jesus and the faith that we are doers of what he says and we do it willingly. Our eyes start to be opened. And I'll tell you what, my eyes are man alive, opening more and more. The longer I've walked
1: with the Lord, the more my eyes are open to my ugliness, my sin,
0: my power of the flesh. Now, God's power is so much stronger than the flesh, but that doesn't, sit that doesn't take away that the power of our flesh has is, is got quite a substantial pull on all of us. We're right here. We are transformed. We have the Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes and lives inside of us. Once we, say, like, once we we understand who we are without God and our sins and our ugliness, and we say, I surrender. I need you because I can't do it on my own. We all of a sudden, by the uh, power of the Spirit, are transformed and we are living a different life than our old life. That's when we become justified. We become justified because of what Christ did, not because of what we did, but because of what He did for us. We start to see, for the first time, man, we did sin. We did
1: wrong a holy and just God. And then we come to find out, like, there's nothing I can do about it.
0: There's no amount of good works that I can go and earn my favor with God. Like God can't be bought. And praise God, He can't be bought. I would hate to. I would hate to be saved by a king that is all about like what I can do for him and, and the actions and how many times I maybe went to church, how many times I gave. Like man, it is, it is his saving grace and his saving grace only is the reason I'm standing here today. And by no other reason. So again, if any of you in here are thinking like, man, I call myself a Christian. I've been baptized. I've got this. I tell you, check your heart. <coughs> None of those things save you. Only the power of Christ and the faith that we have. The the, the faith that we know who we are. And who we are with Him and without Him. And by that we are changed. By that we are a different creation. The old no longer lives in us. Uh, 14. For when Gentiles who who do not have the law by nature do what the law requires... They are a law to themselves, even though they do not have the law. Here it is. So, back in the start of this study in 12, it talked about even if you don't have the law, um, yeah, for all who have sinned without the law will also perish without the law. Wait a minute, I've never known God, I've never been explained the scriptures, I didn't have the Old Testament. Right here, there's, there's one thing all of us have, and that's the, the knowledge of right and wrong. We all have that. It's written on our hearts. Okay. If we didn't have that, there would be mass chaos throughout the world. Mm-hmm. There would be just whatever gets me through tomorrow, um, and, and I'll do whatever I have to to get that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I will steal. I will murder. I will, I will cheat. I will do all those things. We don't have that. Um, do we have some of it? We do. We are a fallen, broken people. But I'll tell you what, by God's good grace is it, it's not totally had it. There, There is a moral conscience. There is the knowledge of right and wrong with, within all of us. The difference by not having the law is they just don't understand the depths of God's holiness. They don't understand the depths of God's love. They know morally right from wrong, but they don't understand any more than that, where that comes from, why it's here. They just accept it as... Well, that's just how it is. They don't understand the real reason why it's there. They don't understand where that comes from, where that goodness comes from. To the Creator of all. In 15, it says They show that the work of the law is written on their hearts, while their conscience also bears witness, and their conflicting thoughts accuse or even excuse them. They show that the work of the law is written on their hearts. Again, how do they show that? By their actions. They may have hated, but there's something to the point that stops them from going through all the way and committing murder. They may have lustfully looked at somebody, but there's something that stops them from going further and actually committing that act. It shows that even without a believing in Christ or believing in God, there's something that stops the complete action that goes on with it. And then their conscience. While their conscience also bears witness and their conflicting thoughts accuse or even excuse them. Their conscience will accuse them, say, what you're about to do is wrong. Why are you going through with that? So their conscience says, that's wrong. Then their conscience on the other token says, it even excuses them. It says, yes, keep pursuing down this road. This is the way to go. We have right and wrong standing right here. It, It can accuse or can excuse their actions on what they're doing. So, if we have all this, again, I kind of alluded to it a minute ago, what, why, do you, why do we need um, God? Why do we need the Old Testament revelation? Why do we need to know Jesus? If we have a conscience, can't we just use that and, and guide? Why, why do we need to really study God's word and know about it? I'll ask you this. We do have a conscience. What have we all done with our conscience before? Ignored it. Let me ask you what happens when you continually ignore that conscience. It gets quieter. It can start to become seared. It can start to become um, less effective. An example. The first time that maybe I stole a bolt from work a uh, 25-cent bolt. You know, there's a whole line of bolts on that bolt bin. I need a 3/8 bolt by two inches long. I bet you it's 25 cents. First time I go to do it, I was convicted. I'm like, what are you doing? Is it really worth it? Like, why? You can't afford it. You take it. Time goes on. You move on. Before you know it, you just go and grab a bolt out of the bolt bin. There's no consequence. There's no thought about it. No one cares. It's no big deal. And you just now, instead of taking one or two, you're taking a handful. Before you know it, you're walking out of there and your lunchbox is heavier than it's ever been. You just don't think it's a big deal. So that was definitely Tony before uh, uh, Christ rescued him. Um, I worked in a field service truck. I had that field service truck loaded with oils, supplies, brake cleaner, you name it. And it was my personal inventory for whatever I needed in my shop. And I'll tell you right now, I didn't think much about it at the time. So if you don't think, if if you think that you can just live by your conscience and your conscience alone, ask yourself that. Has your conscience been seared? Have you gone to a point where it's no longer wrong for the things you do? And I think, again, if you all ask yourself deeply, you all walk down that road. What convicts me now, when I have those temptations, is God says, can I not provide you with 25 cents to go buy that bolt yourself? Are you really... The job I've provided you, the, the area where you're at, the means that I've provided, are you really without that much that you have to steal 25 souls And it comes back to the thought, those that can be trusted with little can be trusted with a lot. If I can't be trusted with a bolt at work, well, what makes you think I can be trusted with a million dollars or anything like that? Like, there's just some conviction there. So again, uh, just just coming back to that. Our conscience. It's there, but boy, have we done a number on it sometimes. Praise God that He opens that back up, that He shows us truth. And lastly, we come to 16. And so, on that day when, according to my gospel, God judges the secrets of men by Christ Jesus. So, this is not an arrogant thing, it's not Paul's gospel. It's not Paul's, he performing good work that, that he's proclaiming. No, he's proclaiming it as in the good news of Jesus, that this good news that has been given to me. Like he's proclaiming it that way, as we all should. This gospel, this good news that we have in Christ, that Christ came to save, that Christ came to bear our punishment. That's the good news that he's proclaiming. Again, like, we should all be proclaiming that. Like, man, I have nothing except this good news that was given to me. This this Jesus that was that took my place. That is what Paul is meaning here. So God judges the secrets of men by Christ Jesus. We all have these dark secrets. We all have these things that we're not proud of. You come to a point and you, and you say, like... I confess those to him. I understand they're bad. I understand they're horrible. And I understand what they were to a holy and just God. So, the secrets of man being judged by Christ Jesus. I understand what they were. And I understand why I needed a Savior. And I understand Jesus is that Savior. And I have that faith in that, that I'm broken. I'm lost, I'm flawed, and there's nothing but the power of Christ that can bring me. So as this, I've heard a couple of sermons this week about this big screen being brought up and I stand before the, the throne of God and he's going to say, day number 1025, yeah. and you said this, there's nothing I can do to say, no I didn't. There's going to be right there. That's the analogy that he kind of used now. Is it going to be that way? I don't know it. But I can tell you that uh, God knows everything that I've said, every idle word, everything. The difference is is do we we take Christ and say, I have said that and I know what I did? And there's only one way that that, that I I can be reconciled to a holy and just God Jesus. Jesus loved me this much that he bore my sins. He loved this much that he took my punishment on that cross, he took my place. For a holy, and, and in front of a holy and just God, he took my place. And folks, he didn't, it, it's, it's, I want to repeat this. He didn't do it on our best day, if there ever was such a thing. I want you to take your darkest, ugliest moment when you would rather just hide yourself in a closet and not come out. That is when he said, I do. That is when he says, I will take your place. Didn't do it because we was doing good one day. And he's like, you know what? I'm going to, to show a little bit of mercy. He knew exactly who we were. He knew exactly our ugliness. That's when he said, I chose to show my love. And I chose to take your, your place. I hope this humbled us today. I hope that we're seeing more and more through the book of Romans. The need for Jesus. The love of Jesus. And that, really, we are nothing with that we don't bring anything to the table besides our sin, besides our brokenness, besides our, our fracturing a relationship that was so perfect long ago that has never been perfect since. Again, I encourage you to, to open the book of Romans, start studying it with us, and, and, and just look at it and watch where God leads us. Um, I'm encouraged by this book. It can be hard at times. It can be confusing at times. Um, but I am encouraged by this book. Let's pray. Father, I hope we, every single one of us see and feel the need for a Savior. I hope that all of us understand that, Lord, we cannot earn our way, we cannot buy our way. And ultimately, Lord, like like was said, we really want to go that way, like that anyways. Lord, we thank you for your love, we thank you for your perfect plan, the way that you've brought salvation in. The way that you've allowed us to see you, Father, in creating us in your image and your likeness, to be able to have reason, to be able to have love, to be able to see both sides, Lord. As painful as it is, Lord, your glory is shown more and more through us. I thank you, Lord, and I love you. Amen. Amen. <laughs>